Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Also, follow us everywhere on social at DIY Money Podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check out the video on YouTube. We've got some awesome bonus content there. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. What's up, Logan? Man, we haven't been on in a really long time. It's been a long time. How did it go with you and uh, Daniel's son the other day? Oh, fantastic. Yeah? Was it good? What's new in your world? Well, um, ran a race not too long ago in, uh, oh boy, where did I go? Delaware. Delaware. uh, Coastal... A uh, half marathon. It was amazing. Shout out to Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Didn't even know that place existed. It's a gem of a little town. Huh. Really is fantastic. Why Delaware? How did you get? Well, we needed the state. I'm running. Oh, we're running okay. all 50 states, and um, it just so happened that was a good run. We what we kind of do is we look at a weekend that that both my my buddy and I can uh, can meet. You know, uh, he's he comes from Florida, and I'm here, and so our my schedule, you know, with the kids' craziness, is a lot harder to uh, to handle than his right now. So it's like, okay, we got an open weekend, and then we look and say, okay, what state do we need? And we see what race is happening, and we kind of back into it that way. So we can end up anywhere. I mean, literally anywhere. So Fantastic. It was Delaware. Did yeah. you run well? I, you know. Yes. The answer is yes. I was very happy with how I ran, considering I'm carrying around some LBs that need Mm. to go away. Now, that was all the motivation I needed, uh, because I'll tell you, I have been on the game, you know, um, slightly. I'm going to whip this body into shape because nobody's calling me Fatty McButterpants anymore. But anyways, what's going on with you? What's uh, how's the wedding plans coming along? Uh, you know, it's wedding planning, so there's that. Do we you, send out save the dates, yeah, so that was that. a big step. Saw yeah, that. saw that electronically. Way to save the yeah. Cash I was that. like, that was there's no need Very to smart. Yeah. yeah, I I think it's funny. There's a the photo that you send. Uh, it could be a meme, like. Like we could write different things, and I might do that. I might, I might take that as a meme. There's a fo- like you're on a, your knee, and she's standing over you, mm-hmm. uh, but her posture is like, you know, we could say a lot of different things. Like, well, that was live action. That was yeah. when it actually happened. Yeah, so that fantastic. Was, uh... <laughs> and the date is what now? October eighth. Now, for those of you listening um, that are in this area, you will already know. I thought you said that we weren't supposed to bring a present. He said no gifts. That October eighth is a home South Carolina football game. Uh, so Spencer Ratliff, uh, the quarterback from South Carolina, will be coming into the Will Levis house, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it'll be a heated matchup. As you can tell, the date was really my choice. Oh boy. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's simple. The the day the game. I'm going to throw in as many. You know, I'm going to pull out as many stops as I can to have it be a day game around noon, uh, an evening wedding. Yeah, you know, it all works out. It'll you can all, hit both. It'll be great. I, she said um, that I couldn't go, but I think I could probably fit it. Yeah, in. It's I like, could fit in the noon game. Here's the deal. It's one of those things. Since you have tickets, you could put that ad. Have you heard that joke? Like, you know, hey, fifty yard line. 
uh, tickets, you know, uh, need somebody to stand in, blah, 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 blah. And somebody's, you, you know, I've got a conflict. I've got a wedding. Yeah. Da, da, da. And somebody texts and says, yeah, I'll do it. Sure. And he's like, all right, seven o'clock, St. Peter's Episcopal. She'll be wearing white. You know, honestly, oh, geez, it's tempting. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, we got a couple uh, unique. Well, we're, I guess this is one episode, so then we'll cut the next one, <laughs> the next episode. So we got a question today from Andrew. Andrew, what do you got? D-I-Y. Hey, DIY money guys. Andrew from New Hampshire here. First off, thank you for everything you guys do. My question today is about leveraged index funds. I've noticed on Fidelity recently, the most actively traded funds have been SQQQ and TQQQ. I was wondering if you guys could elaborate on what these leveraged funds are and if they belong as part of any well-diversified portfolio with a long-term time horizon. My head tells me yes, but my heart tells me no. So I'd be interested to hear what you guys have to say. Thanks. Okay, Andrew, uh, very good question. Putting some things in context for those of you out there that may be not aware, um, what Andrew is referring to are leveraged exchange-traded funds. So uh, an exchange-traded fund is a uh, a type of uh, pooled asset like a mutual fund, except it trades during the day. Um, it redeems and creates uh, shares to provide liquidity for investors, as opposed to basically buying and selling stocks like a mutual fund would do. Um, and so there's a liquidity piece that's attractive. These are designed to provide uh, sometimes one and a half, two, three times even. There's ETFs that do that the performance both up and down of an underlying index. The interesting thing is, so so they do that through a derivative. I don't know if it's options or futures, probably futures and, and borrowing power, um, you know, as far as the mechanics of how they do that. So in summary, if the market's up 1%, then that ETF should be up two percent if it's a if it's a two times uh, levered uh, product, three times it'd be three percent, et cetera, et cetera, uh, one one and a half, et cetera. Now downside can work exactly the same. So down one, you're down two, et cetera. Now, interestingly enough, um, a long time ago, maybe six or seven years ago, I did um, a back test and and a tracking to see how these sort of things performed in you know lockstep with the index because there's uh, assumed you know there's some charges there's some uh you know interest borrowing not for you the investor but if they're using these leveraged products there's some uh expense to them uh not just like buying a normal index so my assumption was and this was an assumption that at the end of let's say a 5 or 10 year period even though you had a two times uh, levered product, if the S&P was up, let's say, 50%, instead of being up 100, you might be up 75 or something like that. And interestingly enough, it tracked much closer than I thought it was going to To like the two times. Correct. Yeah, it wasn't far off. I mean, it wasn't one for one or two for one (laughs) um, or three for one in the three, but it was pretty close. Uh, So from a mathematical standpoint... I think you could make an argument and say, well, if you're a long-term investor and the long-term trajectory of the market is higher, 
you could own those. And you would, let's say, if you were fine with the volatility, because it's going to be extreme. So if the S&P is down 35, you're going to be down 70. If you have the volatility, um, you could own those. If you were okay with the volatility, you could own those. And then assume that you're going to have a higher rate of return than the overall index. However, Andrew, I would concur that anytime you deal with, I will call this an exotic product, you run the risk of it basically blowing up. Now, I realize somebody's going to go, how's it going to do that? It can't do that. It's got this. It's got that. It can't do that. It can't do that. I have been in this business over 20 years, and I have seen things blow up. I mean, just literally blow up. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, somebody goes, oh, well, yeah, of course that, that could blow up. You didn't read the prospectus about how, you know, if on the second Tuesday uh, of the third month of the year, the market happens to go down 3%, this thing goes to zero, right? And you're just like, what? And, you know, it's in the fine print. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I've just seen this so often. Let's say, I mean, let's say it's an outside influence. Oh, the government says, well, we're, we're going to tax, um, you know, long-term capital gains this, but if you have capital gains tax from a leveraged ETF, you're going to pay three times the tax. Or, I mean, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, everybody and their brother says, well, get me out of that. And the circuit breakers break. I mean, so I'm with you, Andrew, in that I uh, understand them. They make sense. I do not trade them. I, I mean, I I do not invest in them. I think we may have in the past taken, you know, in, in in a trading account, may have taken a piece here or there. But that was like, hey, we need exposure. We don't want to, you know, take a ten percent position. We we don't or we don't have the capital or something like that um, to to expose. And I mean, it would be a one off total anomaly. But from a long term investment horizon standpoint. They just kind of freak me out. I mean, that's all I can say about it. What about you? Yeah, I think um, anytime you have some kind of product that there's a lot of unknowns with, or like what you're saying, is it futures, is it options? If you don't really know what it does, that is concerning too, or how they get to the point where they're triple leveraging. Um, He mentioned the Qs. So the Qs is basically the NASDAQ 100. If you don't really know how they're getting that triple effect, then there's what lies the risk as well, is you don't know what's going to happen with that product. Um, also, I, I it's interesting that Andrew mentioned the TQQQ and the SQQQ, because they're almost as far apart as you can get. You got the triple Qs, which is a, a three times of, uh, of the NASDAQ 100, and you have the SQQQ, which is shorting uh, the, the NASDAQ 100. So... You have to be able to do your research and understand what you're actually investing in, how it works. But then also, if you're going to invest in one of these things, understanding um, kind of all the implications of it. Even when we go on to a Charles Schwab or something like that, um, which is the custodian we use in our office, and we try to purchase this. And like you said, we don't purchase this for for the majority of our clients or anything like that. But if we ever did that, there's a warning that even says these leveraged products are made for more short-term, not necessarily the long-term trajectory of a a portfolio. I even caught wind recently um, that there's a lot of talk about them being banned from uh, a majority of of platforms, so wow. a majority of the stra- standard platforms, and I think it's because people don't necessarily understand them. Um, so I think you have to be very, very careful. I-, I will tell you, Andrew, and this is not the question you asked, but 
Um, in this environment, I find that we as a firm, me personally, what I'm advising people is uh, because of the heightened volatility of the markets and the environment that we're in, which you know, it's been long overdue. We've talked about this on this podcast ad nauseum, and and people, the questions we get are more about, oh, well, I've made so much money, and I'm making eight million dollars a year at my you know job, and I drive Uber, and I make another two hundred grand. I mean, you know, all these wonderful things, and it's like, oof, you know, we're we're just long overdue for for some difficult times. Well, we're we're sort of kind of coming into those times very quickly, and I, I know that we've talked a, a, a lot on this on this podcast about people who are struggling to. Buy homes and they're being outpriced. Well, uh, over five percent mortgage rates right now. I mean, you bet your bottom dollar that the prices should be coming down and, and the market oh. should be slowing considerably. But from an investment standpoint, with heightened volatility, I find myself and and us as a firm wanting to get uh, more and more boring with our investments. I mean, and when I say boring. I mean standard index exposure, um, making sure you know we know exactly what we own, making sure that it's it's um, you know diversified in that if you own the Nasdaq 100, which I like, uh, the Nasdaq is a long-term index as far as the proxy for the market, or the S and P 500, or a total stock market index. Well, if you own these index funds, one of the reasons that we we get so adamant about them, uh, uh, you know, a Bogle, John Bogle, who created Vanguard or some of the other academics will talk about index funds from the from the standpoint of the fees associated with them. Well, you can buy a stock for no cost and there's no uh, there's no cost to own the stock, right? So there's no fee in a stock. So you could argue that individual stock ownership is a lot uh, less costly than even owning an index fund. But that's not why I'm so high on them. Why I am so high on them is that we don't know what this environment will bring going forward. And if you don't know what the environment will bring as far as the next group of leaders, the sectors, the, the themes in the market, you may have a general idea and that's fine. But if you don't know, you have to be very careful with where you invest your money because if you get it wrong, it could be a multi-decade long problem. And if you own the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ 100, the, the way these are designed, as companies become uh, you know, more popular and, and as their prices go up and their, you know, their market cap gets larger, they will naturally find themselves being held in the index. So again, if you owned the S&P 500 over the last 10, 15 years, you had the benefit of having the concentration of Apple, Amazon, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, etc., all the winners. The problem we're seeing now in the index and in the market as a whole is those winners are falling out of favor. They're, they're sort of rebalancing. There's money coming out of those names, which is taking down the whole index because of the sheer size. However, there's a group behind them that will come on. Maybe it's energy companies. Maybe it's materials. Maybe it's financials. Maybe it's healthcare. Who knows what it is? But those companies will attract the money and as they get larger, they will take over a predominant place in the index, and therefore they will lead the next leg higher. And you don't have to guess. You don't have to sit here and go, well, it's going to be consumer staples because we're in a difficult time, so I'm going to put all my money in Procter & Gamble and Coke and all these names. No, you can just continue to buy the S&P, the NASDAQ 100, and as they make themselves known, then they will do well. I will caution you. A lot of people will will preface the Nasdaq 100 by saying the tech-heavy Nasdaq 100. Please understand, the Nasdaq 100 is, quote, tech-heavy, but so is the S&P. The actual Nasdaq 100 
is basically 100 of the largest stocks listed on the NASDAQ stock exchange, not including financials. So this is very important. It does not include financials. And I, I will tell you, as much as I like the long-term trajectory of the NASDAQ, um, I also like financials and I like banks. So again, that's why I gravitate towards the S&P 500 or the total stock market index. So I'm with you, Andrew. My head says yes, but my heart says no. I like that. What else you got, Logan? Anything else? No, I mean, I think you pretty much wrapped it up. Um, I think in difficult times, you get simpler. And yeah. you just try to really get into um, what is the simple thing that is going to do long over a long period of time. And I think over time, the S&P 500 has one of the best track records out there. It goes through considerable times of drawdowns. It goes through stagnation. One thing we didn't say is even if you decided from a mathematical standpoint, oh, I'm going to own the the double or triple S&P and I have a long time horizon, so I'm just going to get the returns. Um, the difficulty, I do not believe that you have the same dividend yield as the S&P 500 and you're paying a fee. So let's say that we don't necessarily go down. Let's say we don't go up. We, let's say we just stay in this range for the next couple of years as, as leaders fall out of favor and new ones come in. Well, you're going to be paying fees and not getting those dividends. So you could see your, your principal balance erode, and you don't even get the return of the dividend yield in the S&P. Uh, again, just a different environment, maybe something that we, we come into. I'm not sure. That was a really good question, Andrew. Thanks. Hopefully you found some value in the answer. Keep it simple. I, I, I cannot stress that enough. I find myself... Again, saying this to my personal self and and family and friends and and clients is just we got to keep things real, real simple in this environment. Anything else, Logan? That's it. All right, great question. We'll send you a twenty five dollar Amazon gift card. Remember, friends, the secret to wealth is pretty simple: live on less than you make, invest the rest, keep it pretty darn simple, and do it for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.